Well, hi everyone, and welcome back to Cross Wires. It's James here, and this week we're going to be talking, or rather chatting, about something that's very close to my heart. Uh, to be fair, that's most weeks, but this episode sort of started life as a bit of a Twitter debate. So we're going to be talking about messaging apps, um, particularly sort of in a mobile space. And my guest this week is the managing editor of Mac Observer. And there was a, a post that Mac Observer put out, and I can't quite remember what it was about, but it basically... Uh, it's obviously Jeff running it, running the show, and Jeff was saying, "Oh, you know, something about I can't, something about using WhatsApp or something, something about security and privacy." And then said, "Oh, use WhatsApp, use you know Facebook Messenger." And I'm, I got my very high horse, and like, "Oh, stop promoting Meta," <laughs> and a debate ensued. And I think from there, I said to Jeff, "Well, hey, you know, why don't we? This is, you know, I'm planning to do something on this." And I think things sort of went from there. So, Jeff, welcome to the show. Thank you. Uh, glad to be here. Uh, yeah, it should be a, should be an interesting discussion. Looking deeper into it has certainly opened my North American eyes because the the landscape of messaging is much different in other parts of the world than they are here in the U.S. and Canada and so forth. Absolutely. So before we get into today's topic, Jeff, do you want to tell people a little bit about yourself? Maybe, you know, a little bit of your journey to where you are now. Any any funny stories you want to quickly share? Um, well, you know, I've I've been an Apple user since uh, the late part of 2007. Came into it honestly, had a Windows machine go south on me in the middle of finals week in grad school. And so, like any good geek, I turned that Windows machine into a MacBook. Maybe three years later, I began writing on a freelance part-time basis for the Mac Observer. I've written for a couple other places since then, but the Mac Observer's always been home. And then in the middle part of this year, I was honored to be named as the new managing editor for Mac Observer. Fantastic. And yeah, folks, do um do check out Mac Observer. We honestly we use a lot of we when we're looking at news and although we're not a news show, when we're looking at stories that might interest us to cover as topics, Mac Observer is up there as one of our sources. There's there's not many sources that we you know really sort of think, okay, that's a winner, that's someone we you know we trust. Um so check out Mac Observer. So, Jeff, why do we have so many chat apps? I, from what I understand as well, SMS. So what's wrong with SMS? But correct me if I'm wrong, SMS actually took quite a while to gain traction in the US. It wasn't like over here in Europe, we were using SMS like just like wildfire. Mm -hmm. But SMS be, really didn't take off for quite a while in the US. Well, I think a big part of it was that in the early days, you could only send and receive so many SMS messages before it started costing you an arm and a leg. Oh, and it was really uh, it, it was the advent of the smartphone that began to prompt the carriers to offer unlimited text messaging. And then, of course, it didn't take long for Apple and others to decide, well, you know, the limitations of, you know, only so many characters per message aren't good enough. We want to create our own platform and and then we want to make it more secure so that you know, people can't snoop on your messages. So, you know, that's when the other chat apps began to take hold. 
because that's a big problem with SMS still today is that SMS is unencrypted. So anyone who can, you know, if you, you know, your carrier can read those SMSs, anyone who can get hold of that data can read that SMS. And yep. it's, you know, on a, on a different subject, it's why I'm a huge advocate for as much as possible not relying on SMS for two-factor authentication. Use something else. Use 1Password. Use Orphy. Yep. Use iOS because iOS can now generate. Um, well, not yeah. iOS can now store TOTP codes. It can. Yeah. Use anything other than a text message whenever possible. Uh, my my favorite is is using you know uh, some kind of authentication app, Authy or Google Authenticator or anything like that. Absolutely. And as long as it's, I mean, the only guidance I, I add to that is as long as it's something that you can back up those codes uh, if you lose your phone. Right. Which is, and now I know not everyone is a big fan of using the password manager for two-factor because it kind of feels like putting all your eggs in one basket. Yep. But it's still safer than SMS. Oh, absolutely. I'm going to say this out straight away. Shame on companies and there's various companies I'm thinking of here who force SMS or require you to, Steam, I'm looking at you, require you to use only their methods of authentication. Yeah. And actually, do you know what? Apple as well. Ironically, I think Apple are using the TOTP standard. Well, yes and no. I think when you initially set up second-factor authentication, it may rely upon an SMS message. But after that, as long as you have a device that has previously been authenticated, it just sends it as a as an authentication request directly to the device. That's true. And it does work really well. I mean, you know, I was tutoring someone the other day who is 77. Um, he's a retired solicitor. He's a really nice guy. And he will be first to admit his computer skills are not amazing because he's never had to handle technology. Secretaries have done it all for him. But he found, you know, oh, the prompts were absolutely fine. What what's funny about it is like when I'm in Safari and I'm logging into an Apple web page on my Mac in Safari and I get that same authentication request on my Mac and I'm just clicking allow in, in on that and just typing over the code. That doesn't seem right, does it? Uh, I mean it could be it could be a serious disconnect if you have a physical security breach. If somebody gets a hold of your Mac and takes it over. Yes. Now, of course, and one of the reasons we, I mention SMS is because we are going to talk a little bit about RCS, but I think, in fact, this is what sparked your post, is Google's big push yep. for Apple to adopt RCS, um, which is, do you know what? RCS is a is a okay protocol, but it has a lot of flaws. Right. It has a lot of weaknesses, but it's still better than SMS. Yes. To an extent. Right. Do you know what? Let, let's tackle the ball by the horns. What, what's your take on RCS, Jeff? Because I know you've got some fairly strong opinions on RCS. Uh, it's half-baked. It's not, it's not a complete solution. Yes, if your carrier supports it, it does offer uh, end-to-end encryption on a one-on-one conversation. That's right. And I think only with certain apps. So I think at the moment, the only one that's fully supported end to end is, uh, is it Google's it is. messages app? Yep. Yeah. And that's, that's a Google imp- implementation of end to end encryption. Right. It's not baked into the RCS standard. Correct. And, and, you know, we all can trust Google so strongly. 
If you can't hear the sarcasm, it's there. <laughs> I, I can pick up that sarcasm like thousands of miles away. Because, <laughs> hey, Jeff, don't Google have a bit of a track record of um, <clears throat> not exactly keeping messaging gaps around for a long time? Oh, yeah. I mean, how many have they gone through in the past five, six years? Do you remember Hangouts? Uh, yeah, I do. And that just shut down recently. You know, it, it stuck around for a little while, but nobody was using it. I've I've lost count. I've honestly lost count. And I, I'm not going to go to the extreme that one of my readers says is, you know, give us a standard that's going to be around for 100 years. Uh, I don't think that, that's that's not even close to realistic. But, you know, Google, show me that you're going to stick with something for more than 36 months. And then I might be willing to listen to you. Absolutely. So RCS for me is, if, if RCS out of the box was end-to-end encrypted for both uh, one-to-one and group messages, or if Google said, actually, we're going to contribute all of our end-to-end work back into the standard mm-hmm. and that got adopted, then I think I'd be more on board. For me, the reason I don't support Google's push for RCS is not because I think Apple are always right. I think in both of our perspectives, I, I certainly, I think as ob- objective Apple fans, we can say, hey, Apple screw up at times. Right. And, and you know, this is, this is something that some of my more um, enthusiastic readers take issue with me on, is I'm not afraid to call Apple out when they're doing something wrong either as a as a corporate entity or as a manufacturer. I'm not afraid to call them out. But this is a case where if I have to choose between the iMessage protocol and RCS, I'm going to go with iMessage. Hmm. And now that's not to say that I don't recognize the use of other uh, apps that, that I'm sure we'll be talking about. There are other apps that have even stronger security measures than iMessage does. I, I hate to bring up WhatsApp because I'm not a fan. We need to. We need to because it is, it's probably the most commonly used in many parts of the world. And it does have some privacy and security features that iMessage doesn't have. Mm. You can set messages to self-destruct. You can. And, you know, it's it's not just for Mission Impossible. There are times when you will want a message to disappear after a certain amount of time, just for the sake of privacy. Apple hasn't implemented that. They've implemented it on the level that you can delete all your messages after a certain time, but not that's your your copies of a message, not right, not the uh, individual message. Now we'll come to why that's the case because actually WhatsApp, from a security standpoint is actually pretty good. And before we go much further down this road, I do want to make one big distinction. We're going to be talking about two things in this episode, security and privacy. The two do not necessarily equate to the same thing. Correct. Now, as part of sort of our our prep for this episode, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, you put out a poll on Twitter because you've got quite a lot of followers, obviously, being who you are and the reach you have. Uh, Yeah. You know, and across the world as well. So what did you get back? Because you looked at usage of chat apps Mm -hmm. across the world. What's been your findings? Because, you know, a lot of shows a lot and a lot of publications, and I'm not, saying anything at all about um, any publication here directly, but I think by the very nature, they can be biased towards their country of origin. Right. And, and, you know, I'm sure that 
in a lot of cases, we run that same risk at the Mac Observer. One thing that's helping us recently is we now have a writer on board who's not from North America. Um, he is from the Philippines. And so he brought to my attention an app that I had never heard of before, uh, which is an app called Viber. Uh, but back to the poll, um, you know, I really didn't get very many poll responses. I got some replies. I got a lot of people that liked the idea that I was trying to run the poll, but very few people actually said what was most used. I, I got more information by sending out private messages to a few people that I knew uh, around the world. Arnold, my uh, my writer from the Philippines, brought up Viber. Um, a reader wrote in and said, don't forget about WeChat in China. Mm, yeah. Um, Signal I already knew about. Telegram I already knew about. In the Netherlands, one of my readers and, and friends on Facebook pointed out that most people there use WhatsApp. And it's to the point where if they're going to send you a message, they don't say, I'm going to send you a message. They say, I'm going to send you an app. Oh, so they're actually using the app of WhatsApp as a... A noun. Yeah, verb. A noun. Yeah, that's right. Sorry. Well, I mean, they, they might... They they might say a verb in that I'm going to app you, but he didn't he didn't mention that. He just said I'm going to send you an app. That's interesting. Yep, that's really, and and certainly I can speak to the UK, but WhatsApp is huge here. WhatsApp and Facebook Messenger are huge now. You know, I go back to this gentleman I'm helping at the moment, and just in, by the way, in case this gentleman's listening, uh, you know who you are. This is not at all derogatory I, I think you're fantastic and i love how much you're wanting to learn so i just want to make that very clear but he was saying oh you know my my wife said i really need to get on this whole whatsapp thing so that i can speak to my grandchildren and i know for example that i have to still have whatsapp i tried i really tried to move my family to signal mm -hmm. it did not work my mum uses signal my dad uses signal but my sister and the rest of my family, no. And it's you know we have a my my uh, my grandmother is uh, as many of you know my my grandmother is not too well at the moment. My nana's uh, has dementia and she's a dementia care home. So we have a group, you know, we have a group chat for for part of her care. And when my granddad was still with us, obviously for his, you know, for him, looking after him. Unfortunately, that group has now been flooded with my uncle and auntie's d almost daily food photos from her walks. <laughs> um, so I do have that group muted. I will say that's one nice thing in WhatsApp. But I tried to move him to Signal, you know, and it, it just didn't work. So WhatsApp is definitely huge here. Yeah. Um, before we go any further, of course, I should say, we would love to hear from you, the folks listening to this episode right now. Send an email to podcast at crosswise.net or comment on the post and let us know what you use. Maybe there's an app we haven't heard of in your part of the world, or maybe you've taken a stand and you've said, no, I'm not going to use this app because. So we'd love to hear that. Kind of like my stance on not using WhatsApp. Although my stance on not using WhatsApp is more because of the unsavory types that are there. I didn't, I didn't know Jeff Gamut was on WhatsApp. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, not not Mr. Gamut. Um, and it's the same thing that, that I'm seeing in, honestly, in Instagram, too. Um, I, I set my Instagram account to private for a while. I just recently turned it back to public. I'm about to go back to private again just for the, the flood of fake accounts, spammers, scammers, everything like that. 
That's a really good point. Most a lot of my Twitter DMs are people trying to get me to WhatsApp them for work opportunities, right, or other opportunities, which we we won't discuss on this this particular episode. But yeah, it, it, uh, yeah, it, it's true. It's where a lot of scams happen, and you know. If someone's got hold of your phone number, there's no way for you to really stop them messaging on messaging you on messaging you on on. To be fair, on most of these platforms, no, there's not. Once they've messaged you, you can block them, but uh, not until then. No, this is really this is a really good point. Now, the the one benefit, one thing that iMessage does offer that if you use it can help with that is you can filter out unknown senders. Yes, which is really nice. Now, that does have a few frustration points if, because uh, certainly here in the UK, a lot of like service centers and things will use like, uh, for example, OpenReach, right? Who are a, are an infrastructure provider. If they're coming to do work at your house, they will text you and it will be from an unknown number. So you might miss those texts, but you know what? You can always easily see them. So it is is handy. I I do agree with you there, Jeff. It is nice. Yeah. We're seeing such a diverse range of communication over across the world. What's the state of play in your experience in in North America? Because most people either just iMessage or SMS or is is WhatsApp becoming more popular there as well? Uh, WhatsApp is, is very popular. There's a lot of people that use it. Amongst the younger generation... Uh, I noticed my granddaughters use Snapchat more than just about anything else. Facebook Messenger is also huge. Uh, I've I've got friends in other parts of the country that that's the only way we communicate is over Facebook Messenger. Wow! And for people that want the the end to end security and you know the the other privacy and security features, Signal is becoming a lot more popular. Do you think, I mean, we'll come to Signal, but I think part of that might well be to do with a certain uh, Tesla owner. Uh, it might be. I think he, he did. And I, I'll be really upfront at the start of this. I'm a huge advocate for Signal. I think it is possibly, and there's reasons and we can go into those. I, I love Signal with an absolute passion. But let's talk a little bit before we start getting into more of the chat app, the nitty gritty of what the apps do and why we might consider ones over either. What's so important about, we, we've talked about end-to-end encryption. But, you know, an end-to-end encryption is certainly being used as a, as a, is it fair to say, as a political football across the world? Yeah. Because so many, so, you know, for example, in the the UK, our former, well, now previous former Home Secretary, uh, Bully Patel, sorry, Pretty Patel. Bully Patel's her uh, <laughs> professional name. Um, she was very much no end-to-end encryption is evil because it allows criminals to say things to each other without the police ever being able to decrypt that messaging. What is end-to-end encryption? End-to-end encryption just means that from the minute you type the message, it gets scrambled on your device. It is sent to the other party scrambled. And then they have a private key, or actually a public version of your private key, Mm -hmm. to decrypt it. So unscramble it so that they can read it. And everywhere in between, as it's going from, you know, say, Kansas City, Kansas, to the UK, it is just a random hash of letters, numbers, and symbols. And not even the... 
the provider of that chat app, so Signal or WhatsApp or Viber, can can decrypt those because the keys are between you and the person you're communicating with. That's correct. Yep. If you want to learn more, folks, about how all this works, it's co- uh, the, the acronym is PKI, Public Key Encryption, Public Key Infrastructure. P- oh, PKI, yeah, Public Key Infrastructure. And it's a lot more common than you think. If, if you've ever used SSH, you will know something about how this works. Yep. And it, it, in fact, correct me if I'm wrong, PKI is a basis of how HTTPS works as well. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, just about every form of encryption that we've been using on the web or on our our servers and clients for really as, as long as we've had networks has been dependent on PKI. You know, there there are... It, it it all reflects back to, you know, when it all started, we wanted to encrypt our email. Yeah. And so we had, you know, what was known as PG, PGP, pretty good encrypt, uh, pretty good protection. Yeah. And, you know, that rolled out of PKI and that same technology has been enhanced over the years so that now you can have an encryption key that's, I think right now the maximum is, uh, RSA 2048? Uh, 1496, I think. Is it up to four? Is it only up? I th- maybe here in the States, it's up to 2048. Oh, am I thinking maybe a different key? I thought you could do 1496, 4096. Oh, I thought, you, I'm sorry. I thought you said 1496. Oh, no. Four, four zero nine six, I think, but it, it may, it may be up to 4096. Yeah. And there are a few different standards. There's, I think there's a new one. Is it EDI? There's all. There's a lot of different standards. But yeah, RSA twenty forty eight is the, the you know kind of at the moment is is probably the baseline. Yep. Uh, for a lot of this encryption, and you know you can be, and it hasn't been cracked yet. You know, earlier forms of RSA and earlier forms of earlier encryption algorithms have been brute forced. As far as I'm aware, twenty forty eight is is still pretty safe. It, it is. I think. Uh Estimates are that it would take a very large number of Cray supercomputers uh, longer than any of us will be alive to brute force RSA 2048. And things are evolving all the time. So by the time that even becomes a possibility, we should be on to the next standards. Yeah. Yeah. But end-to-end encryption. Now, in, interestingly, you know, we, we talk about email. Email encryption is really still not commonplace. You know what we? No, we talk to you know. As, I think by the time this episode comes out, our fast mail episode should have come out. Um, I'm really working on my scheduling uh, with a company like that. Of course, it has to. It's not so much has to go through marketing approval, but they just want to make sure that the CEO didn't say anything too controversial. So the edit just needs to go through for a team. But yeah, we, we talked to um, Helen from the CEO of Fastmail. And she said, look, the reason we don't offer email encryption is because it's really not a thing anymore. People aren't doing it apart from, you know, big security, very security conscious folks who are running, you know, um, GPG, GPGG, I got PGP, PGP. E- email suites. Or GPGP. If you're using the GNU version, that's right. And I, which one is it? Because I think there, and there are still plugins for for Apple Mail for PGP. You don't even need a, a plugin; it supports it natively. But every time a new version comes out, I have to rewrite instructions on how to do it. Oh joy! And I haven't done that yet for iOS 16 or for Ventura. Ooh. Which uh, at time of recording, uh, Ventura and 16.1, I think, hit on Monday. Yep. 
October 24th. Indeed, we're recording on the 21st. I have to say, I'm really excited to have Ventura because finally, I won't see the randomness of like getting double messages when someone edits an iMessage on the Mac. Right. Um, I've I've been I've been using Ventura since the early beta days, and it's 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 pretty solid. Uh, I don't agree with a couple of things that that Apple has taken out of it, but you know you'll have to go to Mac Observer to find out more about that. There we go. Nice teaser there, Jeff. <laughs> All right, thank you. All right, let's let's move on into the actual chat products. And I think, as Jeff said earlier, we have to talk about Meta's products. I will be upfront. As many of you know, I am a Metacritic. Ah, I see what you did there. Yeah, that's pretty good. Uh, I am too. Yeah, I think I think we all have to be somewhat critical. But the reality is, if you have a choice in the matter, my opinion is try to avoid using Facebook products. However, I realize that in, in practicality, in daily life, that isn't as simple. Right. Now, we'll start with WhatsApp, because WhatsApp actually comes out... It kind of comes out okay from... Well, it comes out actually very okay from a security point of view, because... What a lot of people don't realize is that the end-to-end encryption technology that's in WhatsApp is the same open whisper protocol that is in Signal. And in Viber. And, and of course, you remember that, you know, some of the, the former, you know, the former WhatsApp team have gone across to Signal. Mm-hmm. My problem with WhatsApp is not the security of the messaging. It is the privacy of the metadata around the messaging. Now, let me ask you this, Jeff. When and this is a question I, I, I want to pose to our audience as well. Mm. So apps like WhatsApp, when you go in and you first set it up, it says, "Hey, can we have access to your contacts so that we can see who else is on WhatsApp?" Pretty legitimate reason, right? Because you want to be able to connect with your friends. On the surface, yes. On the surface, right? But to get to do that contact matching, WhatsApp is uploading all those contacts to your to their service. Now, I, I'm i trying to get clarification on this. It's something that I want to clear up. I think because of GDPR, they aren't actually allowed to store that information on their service for Europe. But I don't know then how contact matching works because they're not using something else. So right. there's a question around that. Here's the question I want to pose. Let, let's say, let, let's use me and you as an example, Jeff. Let's say you've got my phone number and... It's in your contacts, and you then start using WhatsApp. At what point have you asked me for my consent to give Meta my phone, my contact details? Because it's not just my phone number. They get the entire contact card. Right. Yeah, that would be never. I hadn't. No. And under and to me, that's the thing that scares me the most, is that, you know, I could have some really sensitive contacts in my address book. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, as it happens, but I could, and you could. But people's details that you might not want to get out there. There's all sorts of reasons, and we, you know, we're not going to go into them. But it's just something to ponder. And again, I'd love to hear people's thoughts on this. But what's your take on that, Jeff? It's it's absolutely a valid concern. You know, you may not have any sensitive contacts in your address book, but I certainly have in the past. When whistleblowers came to me and wanted to talk about what was going on, we would move over to Signal because I was not going to have their contact information. Even though I know that my contacts are are secure, I don't store them in iCloud, so Apple doesn't have access to them, I'm not going to trust it. Even as as privacy-oriented as Apple is, I'm not going to trust it. 
So you're just using a local local address book then on on, on on device. Yep. Okay. It's it's not stored in Google. It's not stored on Apple. It is stored just only on my own local stuff. Which makes perfect sense as a journalist, you know. And of course, a lot of this, a lot of this messaging technology, and you know, and when we talk about privacy first messaging, a lot of it stems from journalists needing to be able to talk to sources without the fear mm-hmm. of censorship or interception. You know, I think what a lot of people have, first of all, you know, you mentioned earlier in the show that security and privacy aren't necessarily the same thing. In fact, we've, we've seen in what Apple's new lockdown mode does on iOS 16 that you're sacrificing some of your privacy for the security because web trackers and analytics can tell that you've got your device in lockdown mode based on the behavioral patterns of your device once you've once you've turned on lockdown mode. I've always liked how Steve Jobs described privacy, which is that people know what they're signing up for in plain English. And repeatedly. That's what it means. I'm an optimist. I believe people are smart. And some people want to share more data than other people do. Steve's philosophy, I think, is one that Apple mostly tries to abide by, even to this day. And it's definitely one that there are some things that I'm fine with sharing. But there are other things that I don't want to share. You know, I recognize I'm I'm a public figure. You know, maybe not as huge as Ted Koppel or Jimmy Kimmel by any stretch of the imagination, but I'm still a public figure. You know, I've, I have people say, Oh yeah, I've read your stuff. And I'm, I'm always a little bit taken aback by it, but you know, I try to be careful that I don't put anything out there that I don't want the public getting a hold of. It's all about guarding yourself, being very careful. I, I think as, as many, many times we've talked about, be careful what you put online because once it's online, it's actually very hard to get rid of. Oh, it's yeah, it's 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 there forever. You know, every every few every few weeks we see people posting that that same garbage that's been going around for five, ten years on Facebook. You know, this is a note to Meta. You do not have permission to to use my photos or other content for any reason. My lawyer told me to post this, and my stock response is: fire your lawyer. He should be disbarred. You agreed to let Meta share your contact when you first signed up for Facebook, and you continue to let Meta share your contact through your continued use of their platform. Right. The, the terms and conditions by your continued use of this product and service, you agree to these things. And I think I agree with you wholeheartedly. That's why I don't have Facebook, because I don't agree to those terms. Mm-hmm. I don't have Instagram. Because I don't agree to those terms. I have WhatsApp because I have to calculate, I have to balance the, okay, I'm not sure I like those terms, but I have to take that hit, as it were, right, to be able to speak to certain people. So it's a balanced decision. Well, don't you, in England and in the European Union, don't you have a situation that we don't really suffer from here in, the, in North America in that you're communicating a lot more across international borders than we are. That's probably very true. Yeah, we are. You know, people will be speaking. You know, I've got friends in, in Ireland, for example. I've got friends, you know, I do I speak to a lot of Americans, a lot of Canadians, mm-hmm. you know, um, but the co-host, of, the co-host and producer of this show is American. Um, and, you know, we speak a lot. 
Um, so yeah, I'd say we are. And by our very proximity, now of, of course the UK is not part of the EU, as, right. as hopefully everyone knows. And, and that's and that's why I separated you off from from Europe. By the way, yeah. although you did call us England. Oh, yeah, sorry, uh, United Kingdom. It's all, it's all good. United Kingdom, Great Britain. Our former oppressors. Oh, okay. Be well. Okay. <laughs> I was waiting for that one. To be fair, I, oh dear. Thanks, Jeff. Yeah, not not a problem. No, it's all good. Just yeah, just throw the insults that way. I mean, okay. no, I I no. love I love the UK. Um, I I I got to spend a weekend in London years ago, and it was probably the the highlight of my life was traveling around in London and seeing architecture that's you know older than we will ever see mm. in the united states it is fascinating i was i, I was there with with, with jj uh, my co-host came over to visit and we went and we went to buckingham palace and we saw the changing of the cards mm-hmm. these amazing ceremonies so yeah i'm a, obviously a little bit biased um i, I love the uk but anyway let, let's let's get back to to messaging before we start having a geography lesson okay the other thing that just to, what to be aware of with WhatsApp and maybe with a lot of these apps is that as well, you know, the security of the actual messages and the voice calls and the video calls can be great, can be end-to-end encrypted. Mm-hmm. But the metadata, no pun intended, may not be. So in WhatsApp's case, they can tell who you're talking to, when you're talking to them, and how often you chat. Yeah, that can be used to form patterns about you. So it might, so for example, they might say, "Oh, you talk to your church pastor every couple of days." Oh, well, why? And it's at a certain time. Well, what's the implication from there? Oh, the implication is you might be having some issues, and so you start seeing ads surface on Facebook for therapy or for christian counseling sessions things like that. Mm-hmm. Because of course, that data is all tied. Now, meta say they don't send your data to with facebook i'm not sure on that one but i'll give them a benefit of a doubt but they don't i won't okay i, I i'm with you mostly but yeah I, you know it all there's this concept called shadow profiling with meta where even if you are not a facebook so a meta user if someone's talking about you then they start post photos of you they're building this profile of you in the background oh absolutely scary now, well, let, let's move on to Facebook Messenger because that's one you you highlight. Now, Facebook Messenger, obviously, um, there is a, it is a separate app. Yep. Although I think you can on the desktop just use it in, on the mobile as well. Yeah, actually, I don't I don't think you can anymore. I think you have to. I think if you try to tap on a message in the Facebook app, it will it will take you to the Messenger app, at least on iPhone. So, all right, so it is a separate app. Now, Facebook Messenger is not intended encrypted by default on the individual chats, but you can go into like a secret chat mode, which is end-to-end encrypted. And I think, again, that will use the same technology as standard WhatsApp messages. So be aware, folks, your day-to-day Facebook messages, Facebook Messenger messages, are not end-to-end encrypted. What that means for you is that Facebook can read those messages because they have the keys. Yep. So what, I mean, I guess wrapping up on the meta, what what would be you? I mean, I think both of our personal advices, if you can avoid using them, do. But if you're going to use one of them, use WhatsApp. Yeah, I would say that. You know, I will use Facebook Messenger primarily with people who I don't want to share my phone number with. Got you. That makes sense. Because that on, on a lot of, you know, like Signal and WhatsApp and Viber do require a phone number. Right. So... 
yeah, I see what you said. Yeah, so if, and I guess if you again, you know the risks. If you know what you're communicating about, if you have iMessage, you can. And the other person has iMessage, you can just use an email address. Correct. Because iMessage lets you do that. Uh, but pro tip, do be very careful because you can accidentally reveal your phone number if you, if you have your default set, your default sort of from state, from yeah. address in, uh, in, it, yeah, in, in the messages settings, if it's, if you have send using set to your phone number, then as soon as you message that person back, um, it's going to share with them your phone number. It might stay on the email address in that conversation, but if you start a new conversation with them, I think it would then share the phone number. That could be. Yeah, you, you might be right. And of course, you've also got that pop-up that's, that usually comes up asking, do you want to share your information? So you might want to consider turning that off as well. That is an option to turn that, that off. So just some tips for our message. Let's move on to... Something has become very popular, and I have spoken out about so much Telegram. Yeah, Telegram's widely used in the hacker community. Which is interesting. Yeah, you'll see a lot of, uh, when I was doing some research on the dark web um, for security implications and security studies, uh, just about, the, the, it, was a, it was an almost equal split between these potentially bad actors using either WhatsApp or Telegram. A lot of them went to Telegram because you can set up Telegram communities, Telegram groups. Yep. And so, yeah, I mean, it's also heavily used by other security-related interests. But if if you if you dig into the evil that is the dark web, you're going to come across a lot of Telegram addresses. Now, in Telegram's favor, you don't need a phone number. It, you can just have a username. Correct. So that's one thing going for it. However, it is not, again, end-to-end encrypted by default. Except those are the secret chats. The secret chats. Now, the thing about... But then, the thing about the end-to-end encryption is it's not an auditable standard. They've rolled their own end-to-end encryption. Okay. Which means that's a bit scary because... The Open Whisper protocol is auditable and has been audited. Right. But they've tried to do their own thing. And lots of people have raised concerns with Pavel Durov. A friend of mine got blocked by Pavel Durov for, for challenging this protocol. So it, it, they're not an open book. And I, I, I don't want to stereotype at all. And I want to be very careful how we say this, but there is a strong, especially given the current climate. Yeah. There is a strong Russian influence on telegram yep and i think you need to be we need to be very wary of that and it, it is unfortunately used for a lot of hate speech right it, it's through telegram communities i i think i've made my position on hate speech online very clear just don't be a jerk to people yeah treat each other with respect if you disagree with someone's political views someone's sexuality someone's any, any belief or or characteristic remember they're a human being at the end of the day Right. Even if you don't agree, treat them with respect. We can have good and open discussions. That's how we learn. Absolutely. You know, back when Google was actually a, a better community member than it is now. Do you mean back in the don't be evil days? That's the exact quote that I was going to draw. You know, their motto was don't be evil. And that's how I think we should all approach any sort of online discourse. Don't be evil. Don't be hateful just because you disagree with somebody. 
Absolutely. And the other thing, you know, I, I am very aware of it, particularly in the current political climate here in the UK. Mm-hmm. I get very passionate on Twitter about with some of our MPs. I have to hold myself back and I do try. The other thing I just want to say is, you know, we all, in our lives, we all make mistakes. It's how people handle those mistakes and, uh, uh, and be accountable for those mistakes. So that's just the other thing to just, just consider. I mean, uh, it's, it's why I think we, you know, Twitter, I don't want to get too much into a Twitter rant, but Twitter can be such a horrible place. Oh, it can. I've had friends attacked on Twitter for, 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 you know, admittedly a badly worded tweet. Mm-hmm. But, you know, going back to Telegram, mm. the minute a leader blocks me for questioning what they're doing is the moment I realize that they have something to hide. Great point. If he, if, if Telegram truly believed that their encryption was sound, they would be say very open mm-hmm. to a discussion to to state their case. Uh, look, it could well be sound, but we don't have categorical proof. Right, and you know what? There's there's so many issues with Telegram. I I cannot recommend Telegram at all. Oh, I don't. I I don't. I don't keep it installed on any of my devices. Uh, I just I don't trust it. Signal. I, I can get behind Signal. You know, they're using the Open Whisper standard. You know, as we mentioned earlier, WhatsApp uses that same, that same protocol. Viber uses it. You know, these other, these other apps, they may have modified it and added to it. I've always been a big proponent of open source software to begin with. And so, you know, the, the open whisper standard allows for that and it continues to submit itself for auditing and inspection. So that we know whether or not we can trust it, we know what's been what's been done to it. The source code is there. They've got a GitHub page with yep. all the source code. It's 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 not hidden behind some sign up form. It is there. Right. If you if you want to make your own app using Open Whisper, you can easily do so if you're if you're a programmer. Well, and I and that's one thing I want to say. You know, there are cases where secure communication is essential. In so healthcare, for example, I I have worked in healthcare IT. Oh goodness! Um, not in IT for a, for an actual healthcare provider, but as a supplier of software to healthcare. And the scariest thing I saw was patient details, very sensitive patient details, being exchanged via WhatsApp and SMS. Mm-hmm. It's it's you know in the US that's a break, breach of HIPAA. It is in the UK that's a breach of D- GDPR, but they didn't seem to care. But if you're a healthcare IT, uh, you know, if you're doing some sort of healthcare software, if you're going to build secure messaging into your app, I urge you to look at Open Open Whisper. Now, the other reason, when we've moved on to Signal, the other reason I like Signal, the big thing is how they handle contact discovery. They do contact discovery, but they're never sending your contacts to their servers. No. From what I have seen, when you sign up for Signal, Signal does notify your contacts if you have it, if they're already on the platform. Yeah. But it does not just, you know, does not just say, oh, by the way, this person is also on Signal. Uh, Maybe you should add them. It leaves that decision up to them. And the way they're doing it is using hashing. And what they're doing is they are hashing and salting the phone numbers because Signal at the moment does still require a phone number. That's one disadvantage of Signal. Mm -hmm. But it's hashing those phone numbers. And then it's bringing down like partial. It's very complex. And I'm going to be the first to admit I'm not 
skilled enough to explain it, but we're going to link to to their article on how they do it. But it basically brings that data, it brings down a bunch of hashes, so that on device, the signal app is saying, oh, is this person on the signal, based on these hashes? Mm-hmm. And it does it on device, I and mean, it's based on your address book, which means your contacts are never, are never linked. Now, one thing we're going to talk about a little bit later, but I'll bring it forward. If you're not sure about what an app's going to collect, if you're on iOS... And I think Android now has this in the Play Store, but I'm not one hundred percent certain. But the what I think what Apple called the privacy nutrition labels in the App Store. Yep. That shows you what apps are collecting. And it when you look at things like WhatsApp and you look at Facebook Messenger, you know, and as much as Viber looks like a great product, they're collecting far more. The only thing that Signal collect from you is your phone number. And that's for sign up. Okay. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't look deep into what Viber used. I. I just. I know that it. It is used extensively in in some parts of the world, including Philippines, and I'm assuming elsewhere. I, I've certainly heard of it being used. I know it's very popular for VoIP calls, international VoIP calls. Yep. Which is, and it's, you know, again, if it's using Open Whisper, it's great. Right. You know, Signal also, in my opinion, has one of the best cross-platform experiences. Yeah. Because WhatsApp have a desktop app now, they uh, and a web app. It's garbage. The reason it's garbage is because it relies on your phone being online, right? And it isn't a true native app. If your device is offline, your host has your WhatsApp app. You can't get WhatsApp message on any other device. Signal, however, I can turn my phone completely off, and I can still get Signal messages because. Each of those sessions is a dedicated session with Signal. Mm-hmm. Without getting too complex, each device you add to Signal is party to the conversation. So if you message me now on Signal and you say I had just one device, you're actually messaging, at the moment at least, three different devices because your message gets encrypted for three different devices, my Mac, my iPhone, and my iPad. Okay. And it's very clever that way. Yeah, I didn't realize that. That's That's interesting. That's why with Signal, if you add a new device, you won't be able to bring over any uh, most of your past messages because they've never been encrypted. Right. Okay. With the key for your new device, if that if that makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense. The other nice thing, Signal, just to, for feature parity, Signal has group video calling. I think it's up to eight people at the moment. It has audio calls. Um, you can do groups, and they give you links. There's all sort of. It, it's, do you know what? I honestly, if the challenge I think is that you can't get enough people to switch from, from WhatsApp to, you know, to move all your groups, but I've certainly tried. Yeah. I, I think inertia is a big killer when it comes to trying to, trying to get someone to adopt a different messaging platform. Absolutely. Now we, we talked about Viber. I mean, again, Viber. I'd say it stacks up pretty well from what I've seen. Again, it's all about, you know, privacy as well as security. Now, one thing we didn't, we well, we mentioned is WeChat. WeChat's a whole different ballgame. Oh, absolutely. You know, WeChat, it's mostly, isn't it mostly used in China with maybe some fringe use in India and other places? Yeah, and I think one of the reasons, first of all, just WeChat is entirely government controlled. Yep. So the government and, and the government know everything you're sending on WeChat, but WeChat is more than a chat platform in China. I have a, a Chinese, uh, well, he's half Chinese, half English, and he was telling me WeChat is used for everything. You pay your water bill, you pay your phone bill with WeChat. Oh wow! 
you buy cans of soda from vending machines with WeChat. It is far more than a chat app. So basically, it's taking... Well, if if we use the iPhone as an example, it's taking messages and wallet and baking them into one app. Absolutely, yeah. And doesn't it also have a social media component as well? I believe so, yeah. And of course, you know, WeChat, I, I don't know much about their encryption, but if the government can read people's WeChat messages, it can't be end-to-end encrypted. Right, yeah. And, and not only the government, you know, Foxconn, has its own community on WeChat. Mm. And so, you know, its employees are on that. So how much information does Foxconn get out of that? Absolutely. And that's that's the scary thing. You know, you've got to think about if you're going to be choosing a messaging app, what are you sending through the app? What sort of information are you exchanging? And that should factor into, you know, I would never discuss a, you know, a deep personal medical condition on SMS. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think a lot of people, you know, your your former government leader speaking about the evil that is end-to-end encryption, you know, it's not just criminal activities no. that could be considered sensitive. There, There's a, a very, very strong case in domestic abuse situations. Yeah. There's a very strong case in issues of medical privacy, mental health privacy. You know, it's it's not just used to sow dissent and dis, uh, and and crime. No, there are some valid lifestyle reasons to have that end to end encryption. Well, let let's just be really honest. If you are in certain countries and you are identify as LGBTQ AI plus, you definitely don't want to be using anything that's not end to end encrypted. Right. Uh, with the with the overturning of Roe versus Wade here in the United States. If you have a miscarriage, mm. you don't want that to be discussed over insecure means because you could be accused of forcing that miscarriage in certain states. Oh gosh, yeah, no, it really, you really, I really encourage people use a properly end-to-end encrypted messaging platform. That's my, you know, I think unfortunately privacy is becoming less and less of a expected right it should be a right it, it is a fundamental human right mm-hmm. but it's not been treated as one in so many cases yeah it's it's and you know i from the outside looking in i would say that that maybe your experience is makes it a lot more obvious than mine does simply with the surveillance society that has developed in the uk mm you know, it's it's coming here. We're we're getting more and more broad-reaching networks of CCTV surveillance, but I don't know that we'll ever approach the way things are. For example, in London, no, London the CCTV infrastructure is incredible. In most major cities, you know, even here where I live uh, in Bournemouth, it, it is you know CCTV is everywhere. The other thing I was going to say around this is people say, oh, if we stop end-to-end encryption. Uh, or make end-to-end encryption illegal, then the criminals will stop. No. We've tried doing that with guns here in the United States. And, you know, the, 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 uh, the argument is if you, if you take away the right to guns, then, you know, law-abiding citizens won't have guns, but the criminals will. 
it's it's a very interesting argument. I mean, I, I don't want to get too far into that, but what I will say is that criminals will always fight. criminals aren't afraid of doing something that's illegal. They're already doing something illegal, right? So what do they care if they're breaking the law and end-to-end encryption? Oh yeah, right. Yeah, it's not go. It's not going to stop criminals, folks. It's going to inconvenience people like you. Mm-hmm. You know, I I, I remember say uh, tweeting uh, pretty Patel was particularly said, okay. Ms. Patel, if you want to get rid of end-to-end encryption, I assume that also means you want to get rid of all the encryption that's on your government email. And but we can all read it, right? Did you even get a reply? No. No. I wouldn't think so. No, I never get replies from the politicians I uh, I uh, like to frustrate on Twitter. Um, ah, well. I'm not surprised. I'm not allowed to block me because public figures. Um, well, they're not meant, they're not meant to anyway. Uh, yeah. <sighs> yes. So... Before we start wrapping up, we haven't we've touched a little bit a bit on iMessage. I now correct me if I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. Wasn't did it, when Steve Jobs announced FaceTime and iMessage on stage? Did he not say that they were going to be open sourced or made an open standard? Um, I know he did for FaceTime. And you know what? I don't remember. Yeah, I, I just seem to recall it, and I seem to recall someone's talking to an Apple engineer who said, Steve didn't tell us anything about that before it happened. Now, the, uh, iMessage is not fully end-to-end encrypted. If you are a predominantly iOS or Apple ecosystem family and group of friends, mm-hmm. I, I'd say iMessage is actually pretty good. It's, you know, use iMessage. It's not by any means insecure, but if you need to communicate cross, cross-platform signal or something similar. Yeah, if, if you've got more than just iPhone users in your, in your group chat, you're probably not going to want to stick with iMessage um, for a number of reasons, one of which is you just, you've just tossed your, your encryption out the window. Because it falls back to SMS. Yep. And, and if, you, if, if you've pooched your settings and you don't have SMS turned on, you're not going to be able to, to send them a message in the first place. Mm-hmm. What, what's your take on this whole... Um, because I've, I don't think I've ever felt anything other than anything, any sort of green bubble frustration. I've never had that, oh, green bubble means they're inferior no. type reaction. And that I, I, I don't know where that's come from. I, that's not something I feel. I don't know about yourself. Uh, I don't either. I'll I'll joke around with some of my Android using friends and say, "Oh, I can't talk to you. You're making my you're making my bubble screen." But it's all tongue in cheek. But the problem, I, I think, the generation that's more prone to engaging in bullying behavior is what's bringing it to light. Yes, because let's just be very honest iPhones are an expensive phone. They are. In my opinion, they are great value phones because we we know from our experience how long Apple provides security updates mm-hmm. for those phones compared with, shall we say, less reputable Android OEMs. I, 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 can, I can go and buy an Android phone today, and it may not matter what manufacturer I buy. If I don't buy their top-of-the-line device... Then when the next version of Android OS comes out, there's a very, very strong possibility that I won't get that upgrade. Not only that, and that, that in itself is scary. Um, Crazy Ken from a computer clan did a recent video on a, an iPhone clone 
it's an Android phone, mm-hmm. claims to be running Android 10, which is somewhat supported. And it's a very different space in Android in terms of software updates. Very different. Yep. But actually, it wasn't running Android 10. It had been faked, and it's running Android 6. Oh, my. Uh, yeah, that, that is scary. That is very scary. We know that... that let, let's just be really clear. The reason to update your phone is not always because you want new features. And I, I really don't like this rhetoric that Apple slow down older phones with more recent software updates. We know why older phones get slower. It's because the batteries, lithium-ion technology has its inherent flaw that it will, you know, it will degrade up in performance over time. Well, and the other thing is, you know, we always, we always see the complaints right after the new version comes out. Mm. That's when we see the bulk of the complaints. And, you know, I tell people, it's just give it a couple of days. Let the operating system optimize itself. Let it put the files where it needs to for your individual use case scenario so that it can access them in, in the quickest way. Let it optimize all of the settings behind the scenes and then tell me how it performs. And the reason to install software updates now in Apple's fair play to Apple at the moment, we're doing this nice new you can you can have an update. So I think we did what fifteen point seven and then sixteen. Yep. So that you could stay on an older version for a bit longer with security updates. Right. And that's why you're updating folks, not for new features, but to make sure that any known security flaws are patched. They they did the same thing with fourteen to fifteen. They did. Uh, you, you had the option to jump up to 15 or you could stay on 14. Now, within a few months, they took that option away. And, you know, there's no reason for us to believe that it's not going to be the same thing with 15. I really, I wouldn't be, other than the fact that they're working on a beta right now for uh, an, a, a point level update to 15.7, I wouldn't be surprised if, if not long after 16.1 comes out, they stop signing 15.7 versions. I think you're probably right. We're probably, it's probably going to be, I, I would say, I would estimate probably at the six month, six to nine month mark, you're probably going to stop seeing 15.7 signed. Yeah. And, and that's okay. For me, what, for me, the golden rule of any device, be it phone, be it computer, once it stops receiving security updates, that's when it's time to consider replacing it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, let's be honest, you know, how far back, uh, and I can't remember the exact models, but, you know, we're going back to the iPhone 10 is still supported. It's not, it's, well, the iPhone 8 is. Uh, oh, that is the same generation, to be fair. I think. Well, the, yeah, the iPhone 8, iPhone 8 and the iPhone 10 are essentially the same, same creature. Isn't seven? I think I, iPhone seven is still supported, isn't it? I think iOS. I think I think the iPhone seven maybe. I think it's the six S. That's right. That cuts off. So you know you're going back five years, more than five years. Uh, well, hold on. Let me get, let me just make sure I get. Hang on. So yeah, I think the six S was a 2015 phone, which means the seven was a 2016 phone, which means we are at six years. Yep. Of software software support, and and actually. If a seven still supported, what that actually means is seven years of software support, if that makes sense. Yeah, and you know, I, I think yeah, I get that the iPhone is more expensive, but you know, the iPhone SE is pretty respectable. Yeah. Alright, so iOS sixteen goes back to 
the iPhone 10 and the iPhone 8. It does not support the 7 or the Oh, okay. Yeah, it does not support the 7. So then we're talking we're, we're talking 5 years support. Okay, fine. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, cuz the iPhone 10 came out I want to say in, in at the end of 2017. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, you you've got 5 years out of your device. It's pretty good. That's I I would say that's even if you're spending 800 to 1100 dollars that's that's a pretty good return on investment i would agree and and the problem is as we said if you buy a cheap now look i'm not saying android phones aren't good the pixel 7 looks a great phone Mm -hmm. but you know just remember just be very careful and it's the same reason you should be really careful you know about (sighs) buying secondhand macs particularly like but it was so many 2011 or just slightly older MacBook Airs on the market. Folks, they aren't supported. Now, you can go and run another OS on them, but they're not getting macOS updates. Right. And now, you know, to to try to keep myself, I'm, I'm trying to do something that I've never really done before. Mm. Um, to keep myself more knowledgeable about, about what's available in, in the Android ecosystem versus what's available in the, the Apple ecosystem, I'm actually getting into testing out Android devices more. Makes sense, yeah. I've got a privacy-focused Android phone made by a company in Germany Oh, that I've just started testing out. And um, the, the nice thing about this is that, you know, it, it not only – it has its own custom version of, of Android, but – it also is multi-boot compatible out of the box. Oh, okay. So if you would prefer, I can't install it here because it's not available in the United States, but Sailfish OS is supported. Ubuntu Touch is supported. Wow. Uh, I imagine I could probably find generic Android ROMs to run on it. For B, is it Lineage OS, which used to be Cyanogen mod, things like that? I think the built-in OS, it's, it's called Vala OS. Okay. And I believe that is a fork of Lineage. And does that have Google Play services, or is it? No, it does not. Because it's privacy-focused, it does not have Google Play services. Uh, you can download some apps from the Google Play Store using a session-based repository called Aurora. Okay. But other than that, Nope. And that's really interesting because, of course, folks will forget, Android, although Google helped create it, it is an open source project and you can get Android without Google. Yep. So something to consider. And, you know, there are so many great operating systems out there if you're looking for something that's, you know, I, I, you know, I don't think Apple are doing anything wrong in the privacy space at the moment. No. Uh, that could change. But Windows, Windows 10, Windows 10 and 11, the amount of data harvesting, the amount of debloat scripts I have to run on a fresh install scares me. Oh, man. Uh, you know, it, for me, it's, it's like a bad housekeeper. I don't, I don't do Windows. But what I do recommend, you know, if people are willing to not use Microsoft products, as in not use Microsoft Office, Pop! OS by System76 is a wonderful Linux distro, and I've installed that on so many old PCs to give them a bit of a boost. I actually ran Pop! OS full-time on a, on my old 2011 27-inch iMac that stopped being supported by Apple. I put Pop! OS onto it and used it full-time as my daily machine. Are you are you saying Pup? P-U-P? P-O-P, as in Soda Pop. P-O-P, okay. I haven't heard of that one. Um, I've heard of Puppy! OS. 
I mean, I've heard of Hannah Montana Linux. That, by the way, is a genuine thing. Well, no, uh, Puppy OS is actually a collection of different distributions okay. that you can tailor based on how good or how bad your hardware is, you know, how, how lightweight you need to go. I've typically been more in the Ubuntu camp because there are different flavors of Ubuntu for, for different needs. Well, Pop! OS is, uh, is a Ubuntu um, derivative, so it is based on Ubuntu. Oh, okay. It's, uh, I think, yeah, they, now use, they are still using GNOME, but they've just added a few little tweaks. There's a lot going for it, and maybe that's a whole, in fact, that is a whole different episode of this show, alternative operating systems for, for older hardware, or just any hardware. Yeah. You know, I, I'll be, I think I've said this on, on the show, because I lose track of which episodes go, not I don't lose track of, but... Obviously, the nature of the show means I schedule certain episodes ahead of others in terms of release. Right. Um, because we're, we're trying to do a bit of a variety, you know, of, of when what comes out when. And, you know, I try not to put, for example, two retro episodes back to back um, because, it, you know, it seems like we've got a job lot. But, yeah, so maybe another episode to cover. Jeff, I think at that point, is there anything else you wanted to sort of f- finish up on, you know, sort of leave us with thoughts on, on your experience of chat apps? I, I think the biggest thing is, you know, identify what chat app offers you the level of both security and privacy that you want or that you need. If you want your messages to automatically disappear on all sides of the conversation, then choose one that offers that. If that's not important to you, then, you know, don't don't look for that feature or don't worry about finding an app that offers that. That's a really good point. And um, Signal, by the way, does, just for some people are aware, does do destructive messages. The nice thing is as well, you can choose per conversation. Right. Which is great. So I have some some set to, you know, some set to a shorter period, for example. And it can be set by either side. You know, I have a friend who who wants that. I, I don't tend to use it unless it's, you know, really sensitive stuff, but I have a friend who who wants that, so... Well, and didn't didn't Signal just implement, or am I thinking of a different app, where you can no longer screenshot, or was that WhatsApp? It might be WhatsApp. I'm not sure on that one. I know one of them has done that recently, or has added screenshot prevention, which is a good thing. Yeah, one of us should look that up and include that in the show notes. Absolutely. That's a good shout. We'll put that into the show notes, as well as, of course, links to everything. We've got some resources that we've put together, and, of course, if you've got any links you want to share can send them over please we really want to hear from p- folks so uh, podcast at crosswires.net or leave a comment on the post jeff thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me i know we ran a little bit longer than uh, sort of schedule but i think it's been a really valuable conversation yeah i think so yeah where, where can people find you online if they want to you know see more of your work uh, obviously as, you know mac observer and of course this is your opportunity to plug as much as you need to <laughs> yeah you know macobserver.com i'm i'm writing there you know, on the daily on, on the Twitterverse, you can find me as at Clefmeister. That is C L E F as in Frank M as in Mary E I S as in Sam T E R. And I also run the Twitter accounts for, um, at Mac observer and at TMO daily, uh, which is the Twitter account for the Mac observers daily podcast, daily observations. 
And that's just recently come back, hasn't it? It took a little bit of a hiatus. and It, it took a break, and now it is back. We've got uh, Ken Ray, who a lot of people know as Mac OS Ken, as the host. Uh, I make I, I make appearances there typically three days a week, sometimes more. Ken must be a busy boy because he's doing. Is he still? He's still doing his own show, isn't he? Mac OS Ken. He's still. He's still doing Mac OS Ken. He's still doing the checklist. Yeah, I mean that podcasting is his full time gig, and he does it well. He does. No, no. I, I've been a, a Ken Ray fan for a long time. Um, I, I, I'll be honest. I was sad when he decided to move on from Mission Log. Yeah, I, I was too. You know, but he was still doing a Mac OS Ken, and that was one of the first. That one and Mac Geekab were the two that I first started listening to back in 2006, 2007. And Mac Geekab, Geekab is still going on. It was because obviously, you know, a bit behind the scenes, Dave Hamilton, who uh, who is one of the hosts of the Mac Geekab, right. is, a, is the former owner of, one of the former owners of the Mac Observer. And it used to be right. the Mac Observer's Mac Geekab. But now, correct me if I'm wrong, it's now a very independent production. It is, yeah. Dave Dave was able to take that with him when he left. Brian was able to take Apple Context Machine when when he left, and now that's been renamed just as the Context Context Machine. But and it's great to see so many shows come out. You know, I have fond memories. You know, I when I started off, I, I listened to the Mac Cast, and do you know, I forgot my name of the show, but Victor Cacchio's Mac Podcast. Oh, oh, yeah, I. I can't remember what his podcast was called either, but I listened to MacCast back in the day. There are some there are some great create Mac creators out there, folks. I do oh, yeah. do go and check them out. Thanks for listening to this episode of Cross Wires. We hope you've enjoyed our discussion and we'd love to hear your thoughts. So please drop us a note over to podcast at crosswires.net. You can also drop us a comment on the post, or if you're a good pods user. Why not start a discussion there too? You can find us on Mastodon at crosswires at masthead.social. And if a bird site still somehow miraculously here, you can follow us there as well at crosswiresmg. And of course, you can find the show in all the good podcast apps and all the really bad ones too. If you'd like to check out more of our content, head on over to crosswires.net slash YouTube for all our videos and keep an eye on our Twitch channel at crosswires.net slash live or upcoming streams. If you like what you heard, please do drop a review in your podcast directory of choice. It really does help spread the word about the show. And of course, if you can spare even the smallest amount of financial support, we'd be incredibly grateful. You can support us at ko-fi.com slash crosswires. That is ko-fi.com slash crosswires. Until next time, thanks for listening.